0: The Bible, inspired and written by God, was put in written form by approximately 40 human writers over the course of 1500 years. Each human writer was inspired by God to add key information to God's revelation of Himself to mankind. The Book of Revelation is the final book written and placed in the Bible. The first 66 books of the Bible tell the story of creation, the fall, the nation of Israel, the coming of the law the first coming of Christ, the birth of the church, and a brief Christian history in the first century AD through both history and letters, or epistles. The 66th book, the book of Revelation, completes the story of God's purpose and actions in the world and lays out his coming plans to set things right. One can study the book and focus on the plans of God, but a careful reading and understanding of the book of Revelation Clearly shows that what is most important in Revelation is not simply the plans of God, but the person of Jesus Christ. Revelation is best read not simply to study last things, that's called eschatology. Instead, Revelation is best read to see and learn more about Jesus Christ. Revelation begins with these five words in Revelation 1 verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to the study of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The first episode began with the discussion of the basics of the book and the first two reasons why the book is important for our study. In the first episode, we covered these basics. Authorship. The Apostle John identified himself four times in the book. The time of writing. Revelation was written in the last decade of the first century near the end of Emperor Domitian's reign in Rome. Circumstances? Revelation begins with John, the last surviving apostle and now an old man, living in exile on the small barren island of Patmos. Inspiration of the author? While on Patmos, John received a series of visions that laid out the future history of the world. And that message, of course, is a message of hope that is revealed in the book of Revelation. In the future, Christ himself will come in glory to judge and to rule the world. Content The direction John was given as well as the outline of the book of Revelation can be found in the 19th verse of chapter 1. Revelation 1.19 Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. In Revelation, we will study what John has seen in the past while things are happening in his present and what things will take place in his and our future. The answer to the question of why steady revelation can be found in the first three verses. These three verses are the prologue to the book of Revelation. Revelation 1, verses 1-3 through The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angels to his servant, John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. In part one, I discussed the first two reasons to study Revelation. Those reasons were, number 1. Revelation provides God's view of future history. Revelation 1.3 Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. The book is a book of prophecy. A second reason to study Revelation. Revelation promises a blessing to those who read and hear it. No other book promises such a blessing. Once again, we turn to Revelation 1.3. Blessed is the one who reads, and blessed are those who hear. Blessed means highly favored or to be congratulated. God says if you will read it, hear it, and obey it, that is, put it into practice in your life, then he will bless you. That is a wonderful promise of God. Now in part two, I'll cover the last two reasons we need to take the time and make the effort to study the book of Revelation. And by the way, it's worth the effort to properly interpret Revelation. Reason number three to study Revelation. Revelation presents Jesus Christ as Lord. The title, Revelation, means an uncovering, an unveiling. Revelation, therefore, refers to something or someone, once hidden, becoming visible. In the New Testament, the word refers to an unveiling of spiritual truth that reveals the sons of God, Christ's incarnation, and His glorious appearing at His second coming. At the end of the Bible, Jesus Christ is revealed. Revelation 1, 1 1-2 The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. The Bible says the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is a genitive expression meaning that the revelation was given by Jesus Christ. The chain of communication was from God the Father, to Christ, to an angel, to John, and then to God's servants, the readers. Jesus is the focus. Jesus is the central person. Jesus is the subject and the hero of this book. The key to understanding Revelation is understanding how Revelation relates or reveals Jesus. We will approach each verse and chapter and ask the question, How does this relate to Jesus? How does it better reveal who Jesus is? That is how we are to approach all of Scripture, and not just the Book of Revelation. When Christ was here on earth, he was the Son of God, and he was fully man and fully God. His deity was veiled in humanity. And only once in his ministry, on the Mount of Transfiguration, did God allow Peter, James, and John to see him in his glory. That event was recorded by Matthew in Chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make thee tents here one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. We can't help but note the reaction of the disciples when they saw Jesus in his glory and heard the voice of God. They fell to the ground, terrified. Listen to verses 6, 7, and 8. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified, but Jesus came and touched them, saying, "Rise and have no fear." And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. John, the author of Revelation, was a member of the trio that fell to the ground that day, and in Revelation the veil is taken away, and John sees Christ in His glorified body, and his response is the same as before. Revelation one seventeen. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Now as we read and study the book of Revelation, we are presented a picture of Jesus not seen by the crowds that Jesus spoke to. In Revelation. We see Christ in all of his glory and power. He is no longer the humble son of a carpenter whose parents were forced to flee into Egypt. He is no longer simply the suffering servant, giving his life on the cross for the sins of the world. Now John sees him, and through the words of Revelation, we see him as Lord, God, and King. You know, it's one thing to fixate on the dreamy picture of Jesus carrying a lost sheep back to the fold. Most believers who see that picture are touched with the tenderness and care. The picture we see of Jesus in Revelation is one who will reclaim the earth and demand acknowledgement from all who have lived. That is the Lord who will be coming back for us. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7-10. through 10. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, The third reason to study Revelation is that it gives us a accurate picture, a portrait of who Jesus really is. The fourth reason to study Revelation, Revelation produces spiritual growth and obedience. Revelation can be seen as a book that will prepare us for living for him. Listen to Revelation one, 1 through 2. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. In Revelation, God is showing us events of the end times that are important, because they motivate us to do spiritual preparation. Here's how the study of Revelation can prepare you for spiritual growth and obedience. The study of Revelation will produce a greater love for the people around you. It will produce a more powerful urge to pray for our friends. It will produce greater confidence in sharing your witness for Christ. It will produce a desire to study the Word of God more diligently. And it will produce a greater commitment to fellowship with other believers. In Revelation 1.1, we read, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things which must soon take place. What does it mean, soon? Soon is the Greek word, takos. It is a word that speaks of speed. The word doesn't mean that John was to understand that these things would take place in his generation. That's not the way that soon is to be interpreted. But it does mean that John was to be prepared if these things revealed in Revelation did take place in his generation. We see in the Bible the disciples were taught the imminent return of Jesus for the church. Imminent means that it can happen at any moment. From the Bible we learn that Christ's return to catch away or rapture his church does not require any prophesied event to take place. We know the Antichrist will precede the tribulation, But there is nothing that precedes the rapture in god's timetable of last day's events and so because christ's return is imminent the disciple was to be prepared that is what revelation is to produce in our lives that's the message for us today the message is that the rapture of the church from the earth the seven years of tribulation the appearance of the antichrist his rise to power upon the earth the consolidation of the world's governments into one world government, the unification of Europe, the peace in the Middle East, all these things could happen very, very rapidly. What John was expressing with this word soon is that when these things begin to happen, you'll not have time to prepare. You'll not have time to understand these things and get your spiritual house in order. Because when it says, the things which must soon take place, It's saying that they will rapidly come to pass. They will happen in rapid succession. Remember what Paul said about the speed in which the dead will be raised? 1 Corinthians 15, 51-53 Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Paul used the expression, the twinkling of an eye, to describe the quickness of the events, the quickness of the rapture. How fast is the twinkling of an eye? Well, the fastest wink lasts for half a second. The fastest blink lasts 300 to 400 milliseconds. A twink a reflected particle of light will last one-sixth-billionth of a second. Wow! That's how quickly things will begin to come to pass. Remember how rapidly the events of 1990 caused the collapse of communism in Europe and the destruction of the Berlin Wall? It all occurred before many people viewed that it was possible. Remember how rapidly life in the United States changed as a result of 9-11? Shortly after the towers fell the United States committed itself to decades of war and into a surveillance state of its own citizens. These two changes occurred rather rapidly, but they were slow in comparison to the change that will occur when millions of believers are gone, leaving world leaders to somehow explain the vanishing and attempt to control the chaos that will ensue. In that general chaos, It's not a stretch to believe that Satan is already developing a narrative to explain the disappearance of believers and the cataclysmic events that will follow during the tribulation. Following the rapture, the Bible teaches that there will be a great deception. Matthew 24, verse 24 For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9-12, through 12, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. During that time of great chaos and deception, it's not too hard to believe that one of the reasons that will be proposed will be the activity of aliens. In the last few years, more and more attention has been given to UFOs by government, the military, and the media. Consider this headline from an NPR news article in June 2021. It was titled, How UFO Sightings Went From Conspiracy Theory a serious government inquiry? Could it be that Satan is already laying the groundwork to deceive the world following the rapture? I believe that the coming chaos of God's judgment on the world that we read about in Revelation will be blamed on anything other than God's judgment. One possible answer for the future chaos is the constant barrage from media sources about the coming ecological and climate crisis. Could it be that Satan is already laying the groundwork to deceive the world about the cause of the devastation the world will experience during the seven-year tribulation period? Instead of acknowledging God's judgment on the world, the world will be deceived into believing that man's activity on earth is causing the devastation. And with all eyes turning away from God for answers, it will be a perfect time for Satan to present a leader with all the answers to lead the world. The resulting chaos of the worldwide disappearance of people could be the final motivation for the world to accept a one-leader, one-world government. Instead of turning to God in repentance, as the city of Nineveh did in the time of Jonah, the world will reject any thought of God and place their hope and trust in earthly leaders to answer the questions and quiet the chaos. It's only natural, then, to surmise that the groundwork being laid for the future deception of the world is another sign that Jesus is coming soon. Here's another verse describing the timing of future events in Scripture. Revelation 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. The word near in Greek means impending or at hand. This statement is repeated in chapter 22, Revelation 22, verse 10, and he said to me, "Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near." This is a statement emphasizing the imminence of Christ's coming for the church. These events are near because God views time differently. Second Peter 3:8, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The book of Revelation, as we will see in chapters 2 and 3, was written to churches, written to the people of God. Why was it written and sent to specific churches? To prepare them for the things that were coming in the future, the coming of Christ. To encourage them that Christ would come at any moment and take them out of the persecution that they currently faced and to prepare them by informing them about the events that were happening in the world and how they could interpret them and see them from the viewpoint of God and thereby be encouraged. When he says, for the time is near, it's exactly what Jesus taught when Jesus said in Mark chapter 13, verses 31 through 33, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Often Jesus used parables to communicate that his coming would be at an unexpected hour, but the time is near if you are a believer. And so, how can we say the time is near and keep saying it when Christians have been saying it for two thousand years? We say it because of the doctrine of the imminence of the rapture of the church. Once again, nothing has to take place for Christ to come to take his church out of the earth. Many of the events described in Revelation have to do with the church after it is taken away from the earth and the world after the church disappears. But what about the mid-tribulationists who believe that the church will go through three and a half years of tribulation and it will be purified by that persecution? And only then will Christ come and the rapture. Or what about the post-tribulationists, who believe that the church must experience all of the tribulation until the rapture? Scripture clearly teaches the imminence of Christ's coming. If we know when the tribulation begins, and it begins with the Antichrist is being revealed, then all we would have to do is count three and a half years and know when Christ will come for his church. Or... If we were post-tribulationists, we could count seven years from the revealing of the Antichrist. In order for the time to be at hand, we must expect him every day. It has been said that you must live as though Jesus died yesterday, rose again this morning, and is coming back this evening. Yes, the Bible clearly teaches that the next thing in the prophetic timeline is the rapture. Here are the five big events that are mentioned in Revelation That have yet to take place first the rapture when jesus comes and christians are caught up to be with the lord in the air chapters one through three include the church but we're going to see that beginning with chapter four the church is not mentioned until the very final chapter what's happening to cause the absence of the church in chapters 4 through 21 where they've been raptured the rapture is for real following the rapture will be the tribulation The Tribulation will be a seven-year period when the people of earth will hate and rebel against God. The coming of the Antichrist will mark this time in history. When you hear one world economy, or one world monetary system, or one world health system, or one world order, think time of the Tribulation. Following the Tribulation, there will be a final battle. At the end of the Tribulation, Jesus will return not for his church, but with his church. And he will come not to be sacrificed. He will come to be victorious. He will be ready for battle. Great news is, we will join him for the battle, but he will win it on his own. Following the final battle, the Battle of Armageddon, will be the Millennium. After that final battle, Jesus will set up an earthly kingdom for a thousand years, and we as believers will reign with him. And following the Millennium there will be paradise for all of eternity. The final event covered in Revelation will be the experience of paradise for all eternity for those who have loved the truth and believed in Jesus Christ. Yes, the Bible ends with a promise of peace and of paradise. Genesis began with talking of paradise, the Garden of Eden that was lost because of sin. Finally, after thousands of years, God will set things right, and those who trust and believe in Him by faith will experience the paradise that He intended from the very beginning. If we went back to the Old Testament, the last verse in the Old Testament is Malachi 4.6. And He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Take note, the last word in the Old Testament is a curse. But in the last chapter of the Bible, we read the opposite. Revelation 22, verses 3 through 5. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the lord god will be their light and they will reign forever and ever that's the message of the bible we go from a state of being cursed because of our sin to actually rule and reign with him forever and ever in peace and the first three verses of revelation emphasize that the time of the end is at hand that christ could come at any moment Therefore, we need to be prepared at all times to meet our Lord. Now, when Jesus comes, as we're going to see, he's not coming to suffer. He's coming to reign. He's not coming to be mistreated. He's coming in majesty. He's not coming to die for sin. He is coming to judge sinners. And he will not be on a cross, but he will be on the throne, ruling and reigning as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Here's how Paul was led to express it. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9-11. through 11, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Revelation, we'll study the things in heaven, the things in earth, and the things under the earth. And we will see that soon every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as I close, I hope you will remember this. Revelation was written to Christians who were being persecuted for their faith, being thrown to the lions in the arena, being made human torches, doused with oil, and then burned alive at the stake. What an encouragement for them to know that the God they served would one day rule over all, and that one day, even Caesar, who himself claimed to be God, would have to bend his knee and confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. And what better encouragement is it for us today than to know that he may come at any moment, and when he comes, we'll be with him forever and ever. And one day, one day soon, he'll set up a perfect kingdom and those who know him will reign with him. In Revelation, we will learn more about the hope that is revealed when we see Jesus. That wraps up Part 2, Answering the Question, Why Study the Book of Revelation? I'm so glad you discovered the Discover the Bible podcast with Dr. James Harms. Occasionally, I will upload Prophecy 101 episodes to share more prophecy basics, as well as answer any questions I receive through my email. My email is discoverthebiblepodcast at gmail.com. Future Prophecy 101 podcasts will help you understand prophecy terms and major events of the last days, including the rapture, the judgments, the rise of the Antichrist, the future new heaven and new earth, the future home of Satan, and the promised eternal fellowship with God for those who believe. You may send any questions or comments to me at discover the bible podcast at gmail.com i will attempt to answer all questions through email and possibly through future podcasts as well thanks again for listening to the discover the bible podcast it is a privilege to teach the awesome truths of god's word